This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and this week, every day this week, I'm here with Mr. Joel Renner, our youngest son, who is the CEO of our ministry. Joel, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Dad. Joel, this is our week. Once a year, we take questions that have been sent to me by people who watch the program, by our partners, and we answer them. And yesterday, we dealt with end-time questions. They were pretty good questions. And I want to say thank you for your huge, huge response. You called, you wrote, you responded on social media. Thank you so much for letting me know that it has helped you. And a lot of people have said, where can I get a big teaching on this subject of the end times? Well, if you want a repeat of what you heard yesterday, then order the whole series, which is called Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions. It's five days of programs, and every day we answer different questions, themes of questions. Today we're going to be answering how to get started in the ministry and difficult local church questions. I believe it's really going to help you. And it comes with a study guide. Oh. And at the end of the program today, my announcer is going to tell you how you can get these and other things as well. And this week, everything on our website is being offered at a 30% discount. We just do that once a year. And it's such a blessing that we can do it for you. But if you need prayer, reach out to us. We're waiting to hear from you right now. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I'll hear you. I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. There's four parts to that prayer. Number one, he says, call. You got to call out in faith. We'll call out in faith with you if you'll call us or send us your email. Number two, God promises he will hear. Number three, he promises he'll answer us. Number four, he will do great and mighty things and he will. But first of all, we have to ask him to do it. And if you want somebody to pray with you, here we are. Give us a call. Send us your email, and the moment we hear from you, we're going to release our faith and call out to God on your behalf with you. And he's going to answer, and he's going to do great and mighty things. But hey, we'll be back in just a moment. In a culture where Santa seems to overpower the reason for the season, it's time to return to the true meaning of Christmas. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, the Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the stunning details of the nativity story you have never heard. Details like who exactly was Joseph, the father of Jesus? Why did God choose Mary? What was the star that guided the wise men? Who were the wise men who came to see Jesus? How far did they travel? And what was the value of the gifts they brought to Christ? Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, the Rest of the Story, invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across decorated pages in a coffee table size format. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you will receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. This is a sweeping portrait of the Christmas story, allowing readers to reflect on why Jesus came at the dawn of the first century and ultimately the reason for his birth. With stunning illustrations and nearly 300 pages, your family can create a tradition that will last for generations. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book today. Christmas, the rest of the story for just $35. Call now 
or go to renter.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Welcome back to the program again today. It's me and Mr. Joel Renner. And we so look forward to this time when we can be together every year with you. And today we're going to answer questions about how to get started in the ministry and difficult local church questions. I get questions about these things all the time. So reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program. And we're believing for a revival of the Bible Say amen. Amen. All right, Joel, question number one. Question number one is, how do I get started in ministry? How do I get started in the ministry? Well, let me begin with my personal testimony first. You have to know that you're called to the ministry. I knew that I was called to the ministry from the time that I was a very young man. I just had a voracious love for the Bible. And I'm so thankful to my mother who's now in heaven. But my mother would sit to me, by me and she would read me the scripture. And back in those days, Joel, we had records. A lot of people today don't even know what records are. But I had records that told Bible stories. And I would listen to those records for hours and hours. And oh, just the teaching of the Bible thrilled me. I'm talking about when I was five and six and seven and eight years old. It's like God already had his hook in my heart, and I began serving in the church. The first thing I did in the ministry was I worked with my daddy, and my daddy was the janitor of the church. And my daddy paid me 25 cents a Saturday. And he would assign me one section of the church, and he would say, Ricky, I want you to go up there with this rag and this water, and I want you to rub and rub and rub and rub until you get rid of all the scuff marks on the linoleum. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to get rid of them all. There's so many scuff marks. It was that old linoleum back in the 1950s. They came in squares. And I would scrub and scrub and scrub. And my daddy would say to me, Ricky, remember, you're not doing this for 25 cents. You're doing this for the Lord. We want this to shine for the Lord. And I began serving. As time went by, I began to sing in the choir, began to participate in Sunday school training union because we were Southern Baptists. We were always there for training union. And if there was visitation on Wednesday night or Saturday, I was there along with my family. We were serving, serving, serving. That's the place where it all begins. And so sometimes people think there's going to be a bolt of lightning. Suddenly the glory of God's going to fall out of the heavens. They're going to step on the stage and be in the ministry. It's a good thing it doesn't happen like that because we wouldn't be prepared for it. God tests us one step at a time. Finally, when I got to the university, I was really ready to teach the Bible. I told the leaders of the church, please give me an opportunity to speak. And they wisely made me wait. First, they wanted to know would I be faithful serving in more menial positions in the church. So they had me setting up chairs, they had me washing coffee cups. They had me vacuuming the carpet. And that carpet was so stained, but it was my job to make the carpet look good. I scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed that coffee the whole time praying in tongues, setting up those chairs, praying in tongues, laying hands on every chair, saying, God, give me a good attitude. You know what I really want to do is teach and preach. But if this is what I can do, I'm going to do it with all my heart. And finally, the day opened when I began to publicly teach. Then... When Denise and I got married and we were serving in a big denominational church, here we go again. I was serving a well-known pastor, a very strong, powerful pastor, who I felt like at times asked me to do things that were below me, like rake his leaves, shine his shoes, 
wash his car, vacuum the interior of his car. But you know, that was good for me, Joel. It was a good test for me. And sometimes we go through things we don't want to do or we think that they're below us, but God is watching our attitude to see if we qualify for the next assignment. And guess what? It never ends. Now at this stage in my life, God's watching me right now. Am I doing with a joyful attitude what he's asked me to do? Am I being faithful today? You have to understand you're always in a period of qualification. And in fact, one day when we get to heaven, we're not just going to sit on clouds and play harps. We're going to be very, very busy in heaven. Life is a qualification period to determine what we get to do in heaven. My friends, there's a lot to do in the future. There's a lot to do in the millennial reign of Christ. If you don't do well now, then you won't qualify for big assignments then. And thank God I understood early in life that everything I was asked to do, even if I didn't want to do it, it was good for me. I knew the Lord was looking at my attitude. It was important for me to pass the test and learn to be faithful. You have to be faithful. And Joel, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, there's a remarkable verse that says, Now he which established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Listen to what comes first in that verse. He that established us and anointed us. Mm -hmm. People want to go for the anointing. But before the big anointing comes, God first makes sure that you're faithful and that you are established. And when you really become established and God knows that you're faithful, that's when the anointing comes. So lay claim to that verse. And if you're in a period of time where you're waiting for your ministry to begin, focus on the present, do what you're asked to do, do it with a good heart, do it with excellence, and it will qualify you to move forward into the next phase. But really, ministry begins by serving. And Joel, if you look at the story of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul had all that revelation about Christ, which he received when he was in the wilderness for three years. But when he began his ministry, he sat side by side with others in the city of Antioch for years and years and years, and his ministry was not launched until God saw that he had been faithful there. He was the great apostle from the very beginning. But before he could launch out into his ministry, first he had to be faithful in another position. So if you want to begin in the ministry, be faithful where you are, do everything you can, express to God your desire, tell it to others, but depend on God. He's the one who controls the timing. I know we all have our picture, our eyes on the clock. We're thinking, oh, the clock is ticking, time is passing. But you know, God has plenty of time. God is not a clock watcher. He has plenty of time. He is a character watcher. And God looks at our character to see if we're ready for the next step. So get your eyes off the clock. Put your eyes on your character. Do what you're supposed to do. Do it with joy. Do it with excellence. And you'll qualify to step forward into the next phase of ministry. Was that helpful? Very helpful. All right, next. Next question. What if I don't agree with the direction my church is headed? What if I don't agree with the direction my church is headed? Well, inevitably, that occurs at some point. Because we all have different convictions, we all have different ideas. If you've got a church of 100 people, you have 100 different opinions. If you have a church of 1,000 people, you have 1,000 different opinions. But in the local church, there's one head. Look at me. Look at you. We're a body. We've got hands. We've got fingers. We've got limbs. We've got feet. But there's only one head. And when the body begins to function disconnected from a head, 
he results in confusion. The head is required to give direction to the body. Well, Jesus is the head of the church, but in a local sense, the pastor is the head of the church. He has the eyes to see what God wants to reveal. He has the ears to hear what God wants to say. He has the mouth to declare what God wants the church to do. And the pastor then begins to send to the entire body signals about how it is to function, where it is to go, what is the vision of the church. But sometimes there are people in a church who will say, I just can't go with this. I just don't agree with what they're doing. Well, first of all, I personally believe that membership in a local church is a covenant. And covenants are not to be broken. And for you to change a church is a very, very serious event. And there are some people who just change churches all the time. And if you look at their lives, they change their jobs in the same way. They change their friends in the same way. They might even change their marriages in the same way. They're just covenant breakers at large. But we're people of God. And God is a God of covenant. And when you join yourself to a church, it's more than just saying, oh, now I attend this church. You're making a covenant with that pastor and you're making a covenant with that congregation. And for you to break that covenant and go somewhere else, it needs to be for a very serious reason. And usually, if you'll just wait, maybe you have a struggle with what's going on in the church. If you'll just wait and if you'll pray, your job is to pray. If the church is off track, it'll get back on track. If the church never gets back on track, then maybe it's a moment when you need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you somewhere else. Joel? Very good. Question number three. Okay. How do I know when it's time for me to start going to another church? Well, I'm going to give you a specific example. I have a very dear friend that I love very much who attended another church for years and years and years and years and years. That church literally went another direction, an unscriptural direction, and people began bailing out of that church, and really that church was right on the edge of heresy. Well, if a church is teaching heresy, either the church needs to change or you need to change churches. Now, again, this should be something that you do very, very cautiously. It is not something that you rush into. If God called you to that church, you need to be faithful to that church as long as you can be faithful to that church. But when you finally begin to feel like you are a round peg being forced into a square hole and it just doesn't fit any longer and you're more grieved by going to church, then maybe it's time for you to say, Lord, you know what? This church and I, we don't match anymore. They've gone one direction. I'm where I've always been, but they've moved on to something different. So, Lord, rather than me go to church every week and be grieved and be upset with what's going on and have a bad attitude, and I'm not being a blessing to the pastor, I'm not being a blessing to the church because I'm complaining all the time about what's going on, Lord, would you please take me somewhere where I can be a blessing and where I can be in agreement with the vision of the church? But just remember... It doesn't matter what church you go to, you will have moments in that church where you may think things are not being done completely right. And you know what? Maybe they're not because everybody in the church is a human being, including the pastor, and he may have made a mistake. So don't get in a rush. Just slow down. Be patient. Don't be in a rush to get upset about what's going on. Pray about it. Take it to the Lord. But if you have found that you're more grieved by going than not going, then maybe it's time for you to say, Lord, I need to go somewhere else. And if you're going to go somewhere else, you need to go to the leadership of the church, not to correct them. That's not your job. 
simply to say, I want to thank you for all this time we've been together. I really believe it's time for me to go somewhere else. Leave in peace. Burn no bridges. Always be available to pray for them, to help them, and to call them friends. Joel? The next question is, what does the Bible have to say about the older and younger generations learning to work together, especially when it is so needed in these days? Two trends I've seen are, sad but true, either the younger generation of church leaders getting rid of the older generation to appeal to a younger target market, or the older generation trying to keep the glory days going longer, but they do not show a willingness to mentor the younger generation because the change for them is so uncomfortable. Well, when you read that question to me, my mind immediately goes to the son of Solomon. And when Solomon's son came to power, he had his daddy's older leaders, and he had the voices of a younger generation. He had to decide who he was going to listen to. The older generation was giving him very solid advice, but the younger generation didn't like it, and he made a decision to discount the older people and listen only to the younger people, and it resulted in a catastrophe. We need both. We need older voices, and we need younger voices. And by the way, if you're older, don't discount yourself. People say, oh, I'm getting old. Old? What are you talking about? I actually have friends who say, well, I'm 60, 65. The younger generation doesn't want to hear me anymore. What are you talking about? Do we believe that God has promised us 120 years? If you're 60 or 65, you're in the middle of your life. You're not at the end of your life. And not only that, the newest scientific research shows the brain starts working maximum between the years of 60 and 80. So this report is amazing. It is from a medical journal, and it actually shows that your mind begins to kick into high gear about the age of 60, and between 70 and 80, your mind begins to work at a maximum peak, which is contrary to what everybody believes about dementia and all these things that cause you to think slow and to forget. No, 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 no. Listen, friends, if you've used your mind, if you've taken good care of your mind, when you get older, it should function at a maximum. And not only that, Joel, look at me. I'm in my mid-60s. I finally know what I'm doing. I finally have something I have to give to people that are younger. I can give them counsel. And for me just to put myself on a shelf or let somebody else put me on a shelf, when younger people need me, they need my word, you need me, what a crime it would be. And my friends, don't discount yourself. If you're older, your voice is needed. Do not eliminate yourself. And what about churches that just pander to the youth? Well, the youth are the next generation. You have to think about the next generation. But my friends, that doesn't mean you get rid of the older generation. We have both. And if we really believe that we're called to be 120, well, this older generation is going to be with us another 60 years, so we better learn how to learn how to get along together and take from both groups everything that we need. We have what the older generation has. We need what the younger generation has. And as a church, our job is to embrace them both and value both. Value both. And not only that, Joe, when I was a young man, we had such respect for elderly people. And you that are listening that are my age, you remember, you had respect for elderly people. You weren't thinking that they needed to be eliminated. And you felt the respect of older people for you. And they were always available to help, to mentor, 
and to guide. That is such a healthy atmosphere, and that's what should be in the church. Joel? Well, I think you are young. Oh, thank you. I am young. It's what you believe. That's right. Question number five. How do you dwell in the secret place of the Most High? Well, let's go there. In Psalm 91, this is a random question. This is kind of off, off the subject, but I love the 91st Psalm. In fact, I love the whole book of Psalms. But in the 91st Psalm, we have a lot of promises which are made to God's people, but they're not made to everybody. Who are these promises made to? Well, what does it say? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it begins to enumerate all these amazing promises to anybody who abides in the shadow of the Almighty. Well, to abide in the shadow of the Almighty, you have to stay very near to the Lord. Let me give this example. If Joel and I were walking together and Joel said, Dad, I want to stay in your shadow then he would have to walk right by me because if I moved, my shadow is going to move. And if he stays where he is, he's no longer in my shadow. If Joel wants to be in my shadow, but he's so tall, maybe we should talk about me being in his shadow. But if he wants to be in my shadow, then he's got to stay right at my side because when I move, my shadow moves. So this really is not a verse just made to anybody that claims it. These are promises made to those who are walking near to the Lord. Mm -hmm. If you're living in sin and you lay claim to these verses, my friends, it really belongs to those that are walking near to the Lord. It's another good incentive for you to walk close to the Lord. When he moves, you move with him. You stay where he stays. You go where he goes. And as long as you abide close in his shadow and stay in step with him, all the promises of the 91st Psalm belong to you, Joel. That is so wonderful. Thank you, Joel. Question number six. What is the fullness of time referred to in Galatians chapter four, verse four? Well, the Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And believe it or not, that refers to the time of Alexander the Great and Hadrian. Mm -hmm. Alexander the Great was the one who spread the Greek language around the world. And for the first time since the Tower of Babel, the world, the modern civilized world, spoke one language so everyone could hear the gospel in one language. And Hadrian, the emperor, built roads that connected the whole Roman Empire. And in that very moment, when suddenly gospel preachers could get on roads and go anywhere for the first time ever, in that very moment, when humans were combined in one central language, at least in the Roman Empire, Jesus came. And suddenly the gospel could be read about and preached in one central language and gospel preachers could take it all over the world. That was the fullness of time that Galatians 4 verse 4 refers to. That we're out of time, but Joel and I are going to be back to pray for you in just a moment. But right now my announcer is going to tell you how you can get what we're offering you today and a few more things, but we'll be back in just a moment. Once a year, Rick Renner takes a full week to answer difficult questions sent in from people who watch his programs. Rick dives deep into these questions to answer them as honestly as possible. People love these programs because Rick really answers the questions that they've been asking. In this series, Rick Renner answers your difficult questions. Rick answers questions like, why don't you use your platforms to address political issues? What do you believe is the biggest single challenge facing the church today and in the next years? What if I don't agree with the direction my church is headed? Do all the promises God spoke to Israel apply to believers today? Why are there four Gospels and what is the difference between them? 
This eye-opening five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. And right now, every regularly priced item in the online store is on sale for 30% off. That's right, every regularly priced item at renner.org is 30% off. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's beautiful new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you will want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer. This series, Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I'm standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. Proverbs 10, 21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many, and we know that's our job. Our job is to feed many. And I wanna say thank you to you for everything you've helped us do with your giving. You helped us construct our studio, purchase this building, and now in phase three of our ministry expansion program, we're wanting to pay this facility off so we can liberate all that money to take the teaching of the Bible around the world on additional channels and venues. And by being a part of our giving team, you can really help us make this happen. If you're not already a part of our giving team, please pray about joining us. And together we can join hands and through teaching of the Bible and by ministering to people that reach out to us and by sending teaching products around the world, we can really change people's lives. And it's amazing to me that today it's never been easier to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. This week, we're answering questions which you have sent to us. Tomorrow, we're going to be answering random doctrinal questions. But today, we've been talking about how to get started in the ministry, what to do if you're in a difficult situation in your local church. And all of this is in the series called Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions, which comes with a study guide. And you know, Joel, today... I talked about my own testimony about how I got started in the ministry. So I want to recommend that you get my book, which is called Unlikely, Our Faithful Journey to the Ends of the Earth. It is my testimony about how I got saved, how I got started in the ministry, how we ended up where we are today, what the future holds. It is amazing. And it's not just our story. It is filled with faith. It is riveting. It will make you believe that you can do anything Jesus will ever ask you to do. But thank you for being with us. And remember that this week, everything on our website is 30% off. What a discount. But hey, I want to pray for you right now, me and Joel together. Joel, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we could be together with our friends today. We thank you for the privilege of coming right into their space to bring answers from the Word of God. We thank you for this. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Tomorrow, we'll be back to answer random 
doctrinal questions. It's going to be good. But remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, where the word of a king is, there's power. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.